0: In the shadowed corners of existence, where the faintest glimmers of hope struggle to breach the suffocating gloom, one cannot help but dwell upon the solemn truth that life, unfazed and indifferent, carries on. It's a melancholy realization, an inescapable descent to the depths of despair, where the weight of our insignificance hangs heavy like a shroud. In this vast tapestry of existence, we are fleeting specters, mere whispers in the relentless wind of time. We strive, we suffer, we love, and we lose, all within the confines of this enigmatic dance. Yet the world continues its tireless pirouette, casting long, jagged shadows across our hearts. As we stand at the precipice of our own mortality, we grapple with the stark truth that the universe is unburdened by our very presence. It carries no sympathy for our trials, no solace for our suffering. Each day, as the sun rises and sets, as seasons turn and tides ebb and flow, it's a chilling reminder that life persists, irrespective of our joys or sorrows. In our darkest hours, we may feel as though we are adrift in an endless abyss, swallowed by the void of our existence. Like a relentless undertow, the ceaseless march of time pulls us ever closer to the inevitable end. We witness the world slipping away as if through trembling fingers, and the cruel irony of it all is that it continues without us, unfeeling and unthinking. Yet, amid the somber narrative, there is a haunting beauty. It lies in a profound realization that we are part of a grand and different cosmos connected to every living thing that has ever gazed up at the same and different stars. We share the same fate, the same mortality. And in that shared fragility, there is a quiet, tragic camaraderie. So as we traverse this desolate path, let us not despair entirely. Let us find solace in the knowledge that despite the darkness and abyss that beckons, we have the power to infuse meaning into our fleeting moments. We could choose to love, choose to create, to strive, and in doing so, we defy the void. If only for a brief, beautiful moment. For in the end, it's not the void that defines us, but the flickering fragile light we cast upon it as life inevitably goes on. This is life. This is football. And this is football and other F-Words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on X at f He's Mike Kerndon. You can follow him on X at Mike Kerndon NFL. You can read about how he thinks the Titans should fix the Titans offensive line, which is all meaningless much like the life And that is at paulkarski.com. Go subscribe over at stackingtheinbox.com. We have all kinds of stuff for you to read. Could it be time that Ryan Tannehill gets benched? That's from Trey John Watkins. We have data. We have props to Kevin Stefanski because he did such a good job against the hapless Tennessee Titans, which is all what we're going to talk about. Mike, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all going to die and nobody's going to care how many Titans Super Bowls that were, which will be zero. So yes. uh, that's fine.
0: Uh, the, for those that do not understand that is a long time ago gag kind of like uh, what was it uh, Mike's white re- wide Mike's white wide receiver corner yes. uh, that is a that's a fishbowl of despair that's uh, from a fantasy football podcast we did many, many years ago. Uh, so it's a, it's a callback. We like to bring that back. Um, okay. oh man, Mike, what a what a day uh Sunday was it was uh we ended up at uh where is like it's not Broadway brew house anymore it's like brew pub and grub and, and all this stuff and we we're that uh in West End me and uh our friend Matt mutual friend Matt and I tell you what a disheartening he left he like he just like left luckily you oh, know Lord was still there but he was just like I'm out and uh I don't blame him because that was, to me, you know, there's the snow game with Green Bay and and Tennessee. There's the Baltimore Ravens 19 sack day on Marcus. But this was like one of the worst, if not the worst performances, because I felt like this is the first time that Vrabel just kind of was like in over his head for some reason. And it felt like that this entire team wasn't mentally tough, which has been Vrabel's MO. Like, despite if this team sucks or not, you could tell they fought to the very end and it felt like they gave up after the first quarter.
1: Yeah, it definitely felt it it definitely felt like the defense gave up. Like to me, the defense came out strong. They were playing well. Now they couldn't tackle to save their lives and and probably missed, like six sacks on Deshaun Watson because they couldn't freaking tackle him. Um, which we can talk about later too. But uh it felt like as it got into like halftime, especially and then right after the half, the second half, it felt like the defense was mailing it in. It felt like they were like, all right, we've had enough. We, we know this offense isn't going to score 10 points. So what's the point of even trying here? So it, it definitely felt like it was um, a letdown from an effort standpoint in the second half. Uh, yeah, it just felt like they did quit. They, did, they just knew. They knew they weren't going to get it done. That day, which is disappointing, especially against the Browns. Like the Browns are fine. I think the Browns are are a playoff contending type team, but they're not one of the best teams in the NFL. They're not a Super Bowl contender, right? So it's disappointing to see them fall that short against competition that's just kind of meh. You know, we thought the Titans were going to be meh like that. We thought that this was an even meh battle. Yeah, that's not-
0: what's funny is like everybody except for me, but we're all wrong thought that it was going to be a close win, and I thought it was going to be a double-digit win for the Tennessee Titans, but ultimately everybody was wrong because it was a double-digit win for the Cleveland Browns, which makes no sense. And, you know, I talk about being mentally tough. The first words out of Jeffrey Simmons' mouth is blaming the refs. Well, the refs were bad all the way around, and it's a mutually – Bad for both sides, right? Like to me, that I walked away not even thinking about the refs, other than man, they were just an all-around terrible crew that should all get fired. Like that's how bad at their job they are. And it and and the most egregious call was obviously on the Browns. And like I say something, this it called or prevented a touchdown. There were defenders in the area that pulled up because they heard the whistle. Like right. it, it's not a guarantee that Amari Cooper. I, I, I want to. I heard PK say that this morning. I've heard a couple people say it as well, but PK said it last in my. And so it's the freshest on my mind. Let's slow down. They. We don't know if it cost him a touchdown, much like we don't know if it cost Chig a touchdown. Right. I mean, like Chig, nowhere near his knees. Oh, he came was
1: a hundred percent down. But Jig was hundred percent down. <laughs> no, he wasn't I've, down. I, yeah, he was. I've got a still shot that I mean, there's just zero that would defy the laws of physics the, for him to not replay, have his everything head or that they shoulder showed on the that He wasn't down. No, he was down. He the was knee down. was not down. The knee wasn't, but his head and shoulder were on the ground.
0: Uh, you're going to have to post that, Mister Screenshot, uh, going up again, going away from all that, but. And I I, I, will, I will
1: agree too with this comment down here uh from A Vining that Cooper two hand pushed off on that play too. Yeah. Um and it wasn't called. So like, yeah, I was it was it a miss that he stepped didn't step out about sure. Did it's did it matter? No. <laughs> no, but I mean like it's just a
0: pretty massive miss for it like was. a rep crew in general. Because it wasn't even close. Like no, not, it never wasn't. Was close. <laughs> Um, and I didn't see the uh i guess texas a and m game clip until after Braden brought it up and went and found it and you know Chimbo Fisher's like literally on the field with the, the field. <laughs> like this is ridiculous um but anyway i i find I find this team not appealing in the slightest like i find that not having any kind of sympathy for anybody on this team yeah. after that loss because like nobody played hard. I think Tannehill's probably the guy that played the hardest and he's the guy that gets shit on the most from all the fans who expect him to be something that he's never been. He has never been this, this, this Patrick Mahomes-esque level, uh, Josh Allen, this, and and I get it that you want that, but that guy is possibly not on this team. We don't know really what Levis can be, but there's nobody. I know that there's people are like, well, you can't, can elevate a bad offensive line. A, a, a quarterback can work with a bad offensive line if the game plan is sound. And that's where, like, I I first go to the game plan. And I understand there's only so many tight ends you can cram on one side, and you can't do it every play. But I just felt like they had a real hard time picking their spots and keeping the team motivated And that's the part of the coaching job is to find the spots, to find the mismatches, to call plays. And this is on both sides of the ball. It's not just offense. To find different ways to get things going. It felt like they got away from the quick passing game. And then when they, of course, they didn't attempt a quick passing game, Traylon Burks is dropping NFL-level catches. It's just like nothing. It's one of those days where I'm not like – I'm not sold that this team cannot rebound. Like I'm, I know a lot of people are really down in the dumps. I know my, my facetious monologue at the beginning makes it seem like I'm down in the dumps about this team, but I don't, I, th- I feel like it's just one of those games where everything fucking went wrong, but it was also everything went wrong. And it starts with stuff that was actually in the Titans control. So I'm not like totally like abandoned ship you know, let's get Drake May next year and stuff like that. Even though I did find it funny that the Titans PR decided to put the, the dog named tank on their quarterback. Oh God. <laughs> out there, was, I
1: didn't was, see that today.
0: Oh yeah. So it's a national uh, adopt dog week, which we adopted uh, our newest one Havana. And uh, so I encourage everybody to do it. There's all kinds of different rescue networks and humane societies to go choose from, but the dog on his shirt that he wore out there is named Tank. Yeah, can't on a team that, <laughs> that is on a team that is not looking very good. Like, hello, Titans PR. <laughs> like, what yeah. are we doing here?
1: I mean, that dog's. Got, I'm sorry, but that dog's got to be named Hank today. Like, <laughs> I, I we 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 aren't calling him by that name. Like, not Nick, to the media.
0: Nick Lombardi put Tannehill tank and had the you know uh, uh, handshake emoji. Last yeah. ditch effort to avoid getting put down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty
0: good. Um. But like I feel like Tannehill's the only one that was like truly like in that game. I mean, like he was like, I have tried everything I can and my receivers are failing me, my offensive line is failing me, my my tight ends. I mean, I just but I feel like it starts with the top. What where are your senses or where do your opinions lie on the job and of the game plan? Cause it felt to me. Mike Vrabel and the entire staff planned for an entirely different team than the Cleveland Browns.
1: I mean obviously it wasn't a good game plan like you know you get beat 27 to 3 and set a, a franchise record for least yardage gained it's not a good not a good game plan whatever it was regardless of execution but um I don't know I kind of feel like could they have done some stuff different? Sure. Like the quick passing game and intermediate, you know, passing game. I think there's some validity to that, Um, that they should have probably could have uh, done better with that. I also do think that there's something to the idea that like, if you look at the wide receivers they've got, none of those guys are good sh- separators in the short to intermediate areas like Traylon Burks, you know, DeAndre Hopkins at this point in his career, you know, He's an okay uh separator because he he will get physical and push guys off, but uh he's not an elite separator for sure. And then nobody else is worth even mentioning in that conversation. So I think there's something to the idea that like they've got guys that are more built to take shots down the field. Um, and that's what they were trying to do. Um but in like I, I honestly will say the whole well, you've got to help Andre Dillard more. Why were you leaving Andre Dillard one-on-one to block Miles Garrett? I charted it out for my article at paulkarski.com this week, 25 dropbacks that were like real dropbacks, not screen passes. Um, And out of those 25, 14 of them, Dillard had chip help, either from a back or a tight end. Um, That's a super high number for a guy who is supposed to be your best tackle, right? Like, Chris Hubbard needs help and he did get a lot of help too, but it's really hard to help both of your tackles on every snap, right? Like, cause it's not like Hubbard starred in this game. Like he gave up two sacks of his own um, and probably would have given up more if the Titans had, you know, not helped him more. Um, but it's, uh, it's one of those things where you just can't help on every play because then you're playing three against seven on the back end. Like, and you don't have receivers who can separate and beat coverage and they can double team literally everyone. (laughs) If they want to do that, if you're going to keep guys in the block all the time. So I like, I understand, you know, maybe pick your spots better. Maybe, you know, don't leave Dillard one-on-one against Garrett on that, you know, play where you could not take a sack. I get that. Um, I think that's valid criticism, but you can't just say help him every single play because it's not a tenable offensive solution. Mm -hmm. There there's your game plan can't be. We're going to have to use seven guys to block on every play, leaving us three eligible receivers to mess around with like that. That can't be your game plan. It just is not feasible for that to be the case so at some point andre dillard has to put on his big boy pants and block somebody one-on-one and yes there are that's what he's supposed to do right Right. you know like
0: it's and look if you if you look at it poor andre dillard uh, has like i think the eighth he's tied for eighth or seventh uh, according to a chart pff Moo put out uh timo Rischke or something like that Uh, um he has like the he's had the eighth hardest set of assignments. But what the, what's funny is that like th- all three people that have faced the hardest assignments are all people who face miles Garrett. So it's a, like Dan Moore was put on an Island too. And, and, yeah. and Steelers fans were mad as well. My, my big thing was I kind of expected, okay, we saw Justin Murray get called up, right? Like he, he was at, he was uh, one of the practice squad active players that were called up instead of using two tight ends. Could you not have used an offensive lineman? Like, why not use a second offensive lineman in some of these spots or maybe even more of these spots to free up like a couple of receivers instead of using two tight ends? Uh, that's just, you know, something that I thought they were going to do to begin with. I thought going in this, I was like, well, I mean, they got, you know, uh, offensive linemen they could just throw out there instead of having to use tight ends. But it just seemed like they, it goes this has been a a Vrabel staple. And it's not just Dennis Daly, but we also saw I don't know if you caught the press conference today. Did you get the press conference? No, I didn't get to see any of that. It was pretty good. Uh, Vrabel and Tannehill both said some really nice informative stuff. It wasn't all coach speak. There was a little a lot of coach speak, but yeah. But basically, Vrabel's whole thing is do your job. Okay. Some people are just not good at their job. And I don't think that Vrabel understands that. That, <laughs> like, like, I think he say, sees someone as bad at their job, but he thinks, well, pull you up from your bootstraps and rise above it. And, like, there's just some people that can't. And I'm to the point where it's like, you, you got to try something new. And, and that was the part of your... Your article today was, what are the fixes? And we talked about some of the fixes last week. We talked about this whole scenario, and I, I quizzed you and polled you, and you've changed your mind since then, which is laugh. And um, we talked about it on a football show on Monday. I don't know if any of these fixes will work, but if you really care about player health, which Vrabel tends to say he does, <laughs> you got to do something with Andre Dillard other than, all shucks, you did do your job this week. Hey, do your job this week, man. Do it. Yeah. You gotta do your job. That's what we pay you for. You know, other teams would just probably have already benched his ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they've gotta they've gotta do something here quick. Because I mean it, it is and
0: it all hinges on Skaranski being healthy, I think, but right. like I wouldn't mind putting Justin Murray out there, I guess at this point, something.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Murray... like Le Raven
0: Clark did a staley. Just give me yeah. just show me a sign that you actually fucking care. Like right. that's where I'm at right now. Like I don't need, you know, you to go out and trade for Trent Williams. I just need you to show that you recognize piss poor play and that you have to try and change it.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, look... I... That's what this is the exact reason why before the season I kept saying like Andre Dillard is their most important player and like whether Andre Dillard succeeds or not is critical to like what this team can do from a success standpoint. And it'd be
0: nice also if sorry it'd be also nice if Tannehill would roll out to his right instead of out to his left, which is the worst place for him to roll out to.
1: Yeah, he. I look and we can get into that conversation too. In that Dillard. Okay, two two things that I think are true and really are the reason that the Titans offense looks like it does right now. You can hide one bad tackle, and I think that's what they've been trying to do with Chris Hubbard. They've been helping him a lot. They don't leave him alone, but you can't hide two bad tackles. Like, you just can't. You've got to have someone that you can trust. You can slide protection. You can do everything like that, but you've got to have a guy you can trust to slide away from, who can, you can trust to block one-on-one. And yes, you are going to have to block guys like Miles Garrett sometimes. And and look, they are Are they going to play Miles Garrett every week? No. But Trey Hendrickson's a damn good pass rusher. He will put Andre Dillard in a clown suit this week. I guarantee you that's going to happen. Yeah, but I mean, um,
0: like, isn't it, you know, uh, basically he's already in a clown suit, so we got <laughs> well, to come up with some He's going to put like, the big
1: red nose the on big him. big red nose. Uh, yeah, maybe to go with his clown suit. Yeah. Um, so it's... I mean, that's that's just going to happen. So they can't hide two bad tackles. That That's going to be a problem. It's going to continue to be a problem as long as that is the case. Now, I think you could hide a bad tackle and a bad guard. So, like, if you wanted to put – that's why I've kind of switched to what my thinking on Skaronski is. I think out of the guys on the roster, the guy that I would actually trust the most – and this also has something to do with watching Raidens oh, this week because I'm yeah. like – yeah, I Radins saw Radins was get
0: okay, like, blown
1: back several yeah. times too. And I'm like, you know, come on, man. Um, and he's got the same problems Dillard has, maybe not to that level, but like anchor and, and, you know, pow, his, his punch, everything like that, his ability to stay balanced in his past sets. Like those are issues with Raiden. So I would rather see him than Dillard at left tackle, but I'd probably most rather see Skronsky at this point. Cause I do think Skronsky, just has this like ability to figure it out that I think he would do well enough like he would at least compete to the point where like he wouldn't be a total disaster over there you know so would he struggle i think sometimes against longer pass rushers sure i think that would be true um but i don't think he would be nearly as bad as what we've seen from Dillard and you just can't have it be that bad at both tackle spots you just can't Um, You
0: know, my thing is, is like, it's kind of like, I, I, I'm starting to struggle. It's kind of like with John Robinson and I, I started struggling, coalescing their idea of a philosophy, uh, of the players that he drafted, the players that he signed and winning. (laughs) Like it just, I couldn't find it. I felt like they were just doing stuff that doesn't make sense. And I feel like that's where we're at with the Titans, right? A lot has been made of stopping the run and getting the run game going well that's not today's nfl and and 78 yards i don't know if it's really stopping the run uh as as how they want to do it but like the the part of this is the 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 problem is they want to build inside out on the offensive line which was a big thing well that's fine i guess but like why do they not think left tackle and right tackles are the more important than anything else? Like that doesn't, I just, I struggle with, with the, the, the philosophies that they are throwing out there and how they're going to be able to sustain and maintain a consistent level of success. And they're not, I mean, you can't discount the data points that shown up or that showed up towards the end of the year last year. Those have to be taken into the data points that you're seeing this year to some degree. I mean, obviously, there's there's different varied degrees of information there. I I just I'm I, I struggle because I know Mike Vrabel is a fantastic head coach, and I know that for really for the Titans to progress into a modern NFL team that he's going to have to change or he's going to have to go, but I don't have faith in Amy Adam Strunk to find a adequate replacement that's not going to pull you back even further. So, like, yeah. I, I just, I'm just struggling with philosophy, with coaching, game planning, and this goes back into now looking at, you know, the personnel moves they made. Now, listen, Andre Dellard was, like, the best option of a bad set of options. <laughs> right. Cuz you're not paying Mike McGlinchey who's a right tackle to come in and play left tackle and all that. And you could maybe make the argument that maybe instead of going Skaronski, they should have gone to a tackle at 11 if offensive line was higher on their board, but obviously it went CJ Stroud, Peter Skaronski and Will Levis according to what they said or what they have alluded to. But at some point, I just—I don't know, man. Like I'm—I'm I'm struggling with all these different opposing forces inside my head and inside my heart.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's—I—I um, I totally get what, where you're coming from because it is—it is difficult to reconcile some of this stuff. And I think you do have to take into account last year because it would be different if the problems were different. But the problems are the same, right? Like at the end of the day, like. There's not Stop anybody throwing the ball.
0: On. You can't stop anybody preventing you from throwing the
1: ball. Exactly. Uh, it's the like, same stuff. You can stop the run. Great. Happy for you. Um, you don't run consistently because your offensive line isn't consistent. You can't pass block to save your life, and you you're a, you know, a funneled to passing in on defense. Like the Titans run defense in a way hurts them because. They discourage teams from running the ball so well that they just throw it and it's not a problem for teams to throw it on the Titans, right? Like Deshaun Watson went 27 of 33 in this game and looked like Deshaun, like vintage Deshaun Watson for the first time since he's been on the Browns. Like that is not a good sign for this secondary. And it's like, that's the frustrating thing because the whole offseason we said, oh, well, you know, now they they went and got Sean Murphy bunting to kind of help stabilize the corner group. McCreary's heading into year two. You're going to have Fulton and a contract year and they go and get Chris Harris, which everyone, you know, agreed. It's a great hire. Well thought of like, bring him in. He's going to fix it. He's going to fix the coverage on the back end. And this is really going to gel all together now. It looks more the same. It looks the same. Like it looks exactly the same. I think Um, you can
0: see why maybe Chris Harris doesn't never got a defensive coordinator job. Like sometimes you just see why certain coaches didn't get that promotion. And I'm not saying that he's not a good coach or I'm not saying that he's the reason or anything, but just kind of feels like if you're seeing nothing new, then and what does he do? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and PK what, what that. Like what do? is his job Besides you know helping out with the quarterback Seeing coverages and stuff but like what is his job And all Vrabel said was like Oh he's a good coach glad to have him on the staff Okay so Does he not do anything <laughs> I mean like, like And I will say this in defense of Chris Harrison in defense of the secondary It's really only one guy <laughs> That is really Fucking everything up for everybody
1: well, It's so, really yeah. two
0: guys it's Christian Fulton and Trey Avery who Christian Fulton screwed up in week one and week three. And Trey Avery just got picked on in week two. It's really just them. Like, I feel like if you just subtract them out of the equation and maybe you just play McCreary, uh, SMB and um Molden in the slot, maybe that's better than even having Christian Fulton on the team or even on the starting roster. And maybe, that sounds crazy to everybody, but I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe that's what it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, or, or maybe, maybe they just need to do uh, you know, they need to get your boy, uh, your year, year three, Caleb Farley.
0: Get him <laughs> healthy, man. Year three, baby.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, it, but it is, it's the same problems like, in and they address the tackle spot, you know, and with Dillard and, you know, obviously, gave him a contract that's going to be a mistake. Um, By the way, yeah, a contract a that, big... that
0: was like they hung their hat on his pass blocking ability.
1: <laughs> right. That's the crazy it's thing. It's like, so
0: wild. I just, I, everything that could go wrong keeps going wrong. Like, it's almost like a comedy at this point.
1: Cause I, I when I wrote about Dillard, I was like, I'm not remotely convinced that he's going to be like a really good left tackle for them, but I was like, I'm sure he's going to be okay in pass protection. And no, he is not okay in pass protection um in fact he's really been really bad he's he's worse than dennis daly so far in pass protection so yeah. Hey, I, I
0: mean listen you know i tried to defend dillard it's kind of like trying to defend willis for as long as possible and there is there's just no defending him i want him off the team like he's awful i i'd be okay with just them cutting him right now because i just i don't know like there's no place for him on the offensive line the only unless you're gonna put him at guard or put him at tackle but I don't even think that's a real solution. I think your best five is probably Skaronsky. Your, your best five, Skaronsky, Raidens, which is not great. <laughs> Aaron Brewer, Daniel Brunskill, who's awesome. And I've told you he was always going to be awesome. and
1: He, he has been good. Uh, and, and he's been good.
0: Uh, and uh, NPF, which again, kind of like Dylan Raidens, I don't really know if that's a good thing or not. That's your best five. Yeah. But that's your best five.
1: Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't trust NPF helps anything when he comes back. Now, like I think he'll be better than Hubbard, I do. Um, but I don't think he's going to be good. And I don't know if I want him playing left tackle either. Like, yeah. I mean, that he was not great at right tackle and that was the position he played better at Ohio State of the two. Yeah, you know, he played one season at right tackle, one season at left tackle. He was better the season he was at right tackle. Um, which was the first season, which makes you think that maybe he's just better over there, um. But yeah, and I'm not convinced that that's gonna fix it. Could it make it better? Like, I, I think maybe there's a scenario where it's like Skaronski at left tackle, Raiden's at left guard, Brewer, Brunskill, Petit Frere, and maybe that stabilizes a little bit and like. Cause it's not like the tight, like we know that they aren't going to be the Eagles offensive line this year. Right. Like they're, they're not going to have plays where like Tannehill sitting back there for, you know, 13 seconds, just like, you know, checking his watch, you know, reading, you know, sipping some coffee and then throwing the football down the field. Like Jalen hurts does. Um, But they just need to not be horrendous. Right. Like just don't be horrendous. That's what we talked about all off season was just be Okay. If you can get the average, you can started be okay. out really
0: good, and they're just nosediving. And and, yeah. and listen, I, I said it on a football show. It it may start getting better on the stat sheet and on the field, but that's because they're facing going to be eventually facing lesser competition. <laughs> like they're not going to be facing Miles Garrett, and the only after Trey Hendrickson, I think the only real threat is T.J. Watt. Will Anderson may be that guy already. We'll see, yeah. but like. That's about it for elite pass
1: rushers. It's it's Hendrickson. Brian Burns. There there's gonna be some ones in there. Jalen Phillips. I mean
0: Brian Burns is kind of having a down year. Jalen Phillips maybe, but it's it's there's different there's different ways to they're they're not guys that are Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and that is that is my my biggest point is that they're not gonna be those two guys, and yeah. maybe, and no, and no, Joey Bosa, you know, though that's that's a good thing, but that also is like putting pig on lipstick, right? I mean, or wait a minute, putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah, Um, you're you're just it's not doesn't mean that Andre Dillard got better. It just means the competition got worse. Now, can he get better? I'm not putting any money on it, uh, but. I mean, it's possible, right? It's it's possible that maybe him and Skaronsky just work better than him and Dillard or Braden's, maybe. But that nothing is stopping Miles Garrett. Dylan or Andre Dillard is not stopping Miles Garrett. Like he's not going to stop yeah. T.J. Watt, and teams are going to key in on that left side. They're just going to.
1: And, and, and the it, book is totally out too, right? Like rush speed that to power. On <laughs> like, it wasn't time. week one. Like it like, was out week one. Like don't have to do anything but rush speed to power. That's all you need to do because you're going to be able to shove him back in Tannehill's lap. Like that's – he can't handle it. He can't do it. So if you've got all you one guy – you need to do is tackle
0: Christian Fulton you'll complete almost every pass. <laughs> well, all yeah. you need to do is uh, rush against uh, Andre Dillard and you're probably in the backfield by 2.5 seconds. Like yeah. that's it. That's all you got to do.
1: <laughs> It's bad. It's bad. And it it puts a cap on the team, too, because like there's I don't know, unless that that combination that I just mentioned just somehow comes together, turns into a decent unit, and and then the passing game starts to click and the running game gets going a little bit. That's the like the only path forward where this team actually becomes competitive this year, because you can't compete for anything besides like winning seven or eight games if you can't block anybody, like if you can't block the good teams, right? Like I don't care if you can block the terrible pass rush. Like that's great. You're not, you're able to block, block, you know, the, the opposite version of what you are as an offensive line. But once you play the good teams, you're never going to end up having a situation where you can run offense with this kind of pressure constantly. Um, like you you get the
0: playoffs versus the chiefs with Chris Jones. Good luck.
1: Yeah. Chris Jones, Chris Jones would line up over Andre Dillard and just throw him at, at Ryan Tannehill, like, uh, every snap, like just pick him up, toss him in his lap. It'd Be ridiculous. And, and like, you know,
0: I was kind of talking about it because I, I was, uh, I held a Florida state minus 1.5, uh, gambling ticket. And I was, Mm -hmm. uh, and Braden's a big Florida state guy, as far as, uh, this year in college football. And I was like, why aren't they winning? You know, I'm like, I'm getting all pissed as I'm watching the game at the barbecue contest. And he goes, Well, Clips is such a good team. I was like, no, Clipson's okay. They're all right. Well, they'll they'll win nine teams. So they're that's a that's an above average team. To, I argued on on Monday that like just because you have a good record doesn't necessarily mean you're a good team. It means that you played a good schedule to get you enough wins to make yourself look like a good team. Like the Jaguars, right? Like that Jaguars nine and eight team. Sure, they made it into the playoffs, but were they really a good team or did they get the benefit of the schedule? And there's a scenario where the Titans are nine and eight this year because the ASC South is like the worst division possibly ever. And uh they're probably gonna have a favorable schedule there. They get to play the Panthers, they get to play the Falcons. There's a, the Hapless Steelers offense. I mean, there are teams that that they're gonna play, they're gonna they should win. It may not be pretty, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're a good team. It's like when they were on that uh, what was a five-game win streak last year, and they were beating the Raiders. And I, you're like, oh, the, the Raiders. Texans. We'll see if the Raiders are a good team later. And I said, this team sucks. <laughs> I'm telling you, this team sucks. And um, they ended up going on a big losing streak. Now, it's out of their control what really happened. They played in close games. But this team does not look like a – this team is healthy. There is no injury excuse to fall back on right now and I am not entirely sold that th- I think this team could still win 9 to 10 games and be a playoff team by just that like not a legit contender playoff team but just like that team that you that made it in they're like Maybe we should rethink these conference winners automatically getting a home field playoff game like that or division winners, like that kind of team. Yeah.
1: I honestly I I don't think the Titans are going to the playoffs this year. I, I think I think at this point I wouldn't be surprised. I, I just I don't think it's happening. I think they're already leaking oil this early, and I just don't know if it's gonna get any better. I, I really don't. Um before last year, I probably would have said, yeah, it'll get better because Mike Grable teams usually get better as the season goes along. But last year came, and last year they got much, much, much worse as the season went along. So I don't know if it's like...
0: At this rate, they're asking Tannehill to just, like, get cut in half.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which could happen. I mean, and look, I and I brought this point up on Twitter, too, and I think it's important. I think Tannehill is part of the problem from the pass rush standpoint in that, like... Tannehill is perfectly fine as a quarterback if you can protect him because he's accurate, he's fearless, attacking tight windows, attacking downfield, he, he throws a good ball. Um, he mostly gets the ball where he's supposed to. Um, so he can be good. We've seen him be good with good protection and a good offense around him. But if you put him behind a leaky offensive line, that, that dude is a sitting duck. Like He's one of the easiest sacks in the NFL. He's like Matt Ryan. Uh, last yeah. year. Now he's faster. He's faster. He's got straight line speed, but I, he I has designed no acceleration. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like he has no acceleration. Like there's no uh, like quick twitch to Ryan Tannehill and there never has been like, this is who he's been for a long time. But when you put him behind a bad offensive line, he takes sack after sack after sack, because I, have you seen him even like five times in his entire time at test with the Titans Step out of a sack, like break a tackle, like I remember I know the one, against the, two. The one I, against the Texans. The one against the Texans that was big. That he, he did one last year that
0: he got out of that was almost like that, and I cannot but, remember who it was against, but he did one like that. But I mean, we're talking you almost about
1: fall on that. the floor when it happens, right? right? Like but
0: it's like it's, a, but let's let's be clear that I, I think there's more. I think I think there's maybe five. I think we could possibly yeah. find five that's five escape sacks versus like uh, what is it? probably like 150 sacks altogether.
1: <laughs> right. And, and Deshaun like Watson are... escaped five sacks on Sunday. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, there, there are levels to it. And that's why I like, I do feel like there's a give and take with the young quarterbacks and everyone calling for Tannehill's job and everything like that, which I do think is too early. I think the problem, they need to fix the, try to fix the problem first, <laughs> Um, which is the protection and the offensive line issues, which is the primary issue. And then if you can't fix it and you just have to live with the fact that Andre Dillard's going to put a defender into your backfield, like within two seconds uh, on a regular basis, maybe you do need to look at the young guys because they could avoid that sack and maybe extend the play. But there's the, also the give and take of like, those guys both take longer to throw the ball. We know from preseason, you know, PFF charting data and everything like that, those guys take much longer in the pocket. Like they're sitting there holding the ball for three plus seconds consistently, which puts more, more stress and more pressure on your offensive line to hold up. So it's, there's definitely a give and take, but at some point, you know, I don't know if they, if the wheels come off over the next three weeks and they lose three, three games against the Bengals, Colts and Ravens, and you know, are coming back from London with a one in five record, and, and the offensive line's still a mess. I don't know. I, at that point, I'd be fine with making the move to Willis or Levis, whoever they, you know, think is appropriate, and just seeing if that helps at all. Like, and, and not even, I'm, you almost don't even care at that point if it helps for this year because you're playing for next year at that point. You know, you're one in five. You know, maybe you could win the division. Why, the why division is one in
0: five and two of four b- uh, such a big difference? Because I, I I've no, heard no, people say, th- does it feel different? Because I've just heard people say, well, if you're two and four, you could still keep Tannehill, and maybe after the buy, you get pieces back and you feel better. But like one in five is like, and Tannehill's not even really been the issue for two of the two of the games, right? I mean, he's he's an issue because he's a liability because of um. Because he's a liability, because he can't make plays or extend plays with his legs behind a porous offensive line. But it, if you really look at what he was able to do with the throws that he was able to make, he's not been that bad. Which brings me to really trailing Burks, and I, I'm, I, 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 I want to be careful because I don't well, want it to sound like
1: before we okay. before we move off of the one and five thing. There has not been a team that's made the playoffs after a one in five start. Well, that's so. true. I mean, like, I'm not that's... surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. So that may be the reason.
0: Whereas okay. there like have it.
1: been teams that have done it from two I and like four. It. Um,
0: I, I look at it from a standpoint of with Traylon Burks. That, and I want to choose my words carefully because I don't like comparing him to aj brown because that's the lazy thing and the thing that everyone wants to do and look if you are looking for us to spend 20 minutes on john robinson sucks because he traded aj brown you got about like 15 episodes to go listen to like in our catalog yeah everybody agrees the aj brown trade was a bad trade okay disclaimer, but Traylon burke's is not acting like a number one wide receiver in the slightest. And my concerns with Traylon Burks is that he shows up for one grab, one spectacular grab every four or five games. He's dropping easy passes. He is not able to get away in the, in any and create separation. And when he can't create separation, I mean, at this point, one, Wanting Traylon Burks to even be Corey Davis seems like a godsend for this team. Um, And I I get that some people are like, well, you can't give up on, you know, a player, you know, this early in his career. And, you know, well, he was injured last year. Well, injuries are part of the problem. Him being out of shape was part of the problem. Him being soft is part of the problem. Him and Christian Fulton are like Traylon Burks offseason 2022 belly soft. Like they are, they are soft as fuck right now, and maybe that we've seen Christian Fulton not be that guy. We've seen Traylon Burks in singular plays not be that guy, but he has a real problem standing up. He's got like Justin Hunter. Justin Hunter, whenever he'd catch a pass, he'd be like damn on ice and couldn't keep his balance. Like <laughs> he had, he couldn't stand stay up and 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 catch the pass, and he's doing the same thing. And this is not first round. And listen, he was a first round prospect through and through. Every team thought he was a first round prospect. Every scout thought he was a first round prospect. So this isn't a miss scouting issue, in my opinion. This is a player issue. This is a, this is a Traylon Burks issue. And he, I don't see the hog in him. There is no hog in him. And he goes and hunts hogs and he should be a killer right he should be a killer on the field he should be a guy that takes over games and we have not really seen that on any kind of consistent basis and he goes and does what he does last week and listen every wide receiver has one of those games where they just drop a bunch of balls the problem is he's not catching enough in the other games to to make up for it i mean he's not done He's not done anything like truly remarkable and worthy of being picked 18 overall. And this has nothing to do with AJ Brown, but he is nothing like a first any successful first round wide receiver. And I don't see why that's such a terrible thing to recognize with that with the caveat that he can turn it around. To me, it's a rule of three. In most players' cases, I would say in about 90% of players' cases, they should be allowed to have three years to find him. And maybe he's going to turn it on the next half of the year because he's staying healthy and he's consistently getting reps. Hopefully that's the case. I hope that he does, but at some point you just have to be okay with saying, man, trailing Burks really cost the team on Sunday, uh, some key plays and, and damn it. He is not worthy of the number 18 picks so far.
1: Yeah, no, he, he, he hasn't been. And I've been one of Burks, biggest fans, I guess. Um, yeah, it, because I like the potential. I still like the potential. I still think there's ability there, but he's got to stop with these, these, it just looks like concentration drops too, because I mean, these are balls that hit him in the hands. We know he has huge hands. We've seen him make crazy catches before, difficult catches, things like that. So like the ability is there. Um, I don't think it's a situation where he's just not a a natural catcher of the football. I think he is, but uh, Something is not clicking with him. And it's it's time for that to start clicking because you look at his peers, you know, obviously like Garrett Wilson's being held back by a catastrophic offense around him. Um, but we saw what he could do last year. Chris Olave is a star. I mean, he, he is breaking out, he is that guy. Um, he was my favorite wide receiver in that class, uh, but he is turning out to be that guy. And like you're finding out like who these guys are, I feel like in year two and and it's time for Burks to come on. Like it, it is, you can't baby him for three years and say, and make all the excuses and oh well, you know, he didn't have a great offense around him. You know, Garrett Wilson didn't have a great offense around him last year, either. He still produced. Um, and he, and he still had big games this year, big plays this year, even with the, you know, clop, you know collapse of the jets offense after Aaron Rodgers went down. But, um, it, it, Burks has got to get it going, and if he doesn't by the end of the year, I think you've got to just come to grips with the fact that it's he's not going to be the guy. Like he's not going to be.
0: You got to come to grips with that. This team needs a left tackle, wide receiver, and a cornerback. Where I've heard that before. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the team needs? All of the above. I mean, it's because that's the thing. I mean, like this. Derrick Henry's in a contract year. Ryan Tannehill's in a contract year. Um, You know, you've got a bunch of the guys on, and even like Daniel Brunskill's in a contract year. uh, In the or did he get a two year deal? He might. I
0: think he's a one year with void years. If I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay. But yeah, like I hope it's two year deal. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice at this point. Um, But like almost the entire team's on two year deals, except for the young guys. And this is this is again. Going back to like, I know I got a lot of shit for being, you know, Debbie Downer all offseason, but this is what I was concerned about. Like, that the Titans had no depth. They had no like clear. No, he, he's under contract talent.
0: next year, by the way.
1: Daniel okay. Brunsville. All right. So ahead. we're
0: sure. our Lord and Savior, Danny Bruns.
1: Yeah. So you, we've got maybe two starting offensive linemen uh, available and, and ready to go for next year. That's awesome. Um, but the uh, part of the problem is, that I was concerned about was that we were banking on this idea that Traylon Burks was going to turn into a wide receiver. One, we were banking on this idea that Chigaconquoa was going to take this huge second year step. He hasn't taken shit either, by the way. Uh, he does not look any better than he did last year. He looks exactly the same, maybe even worse, honestly. Because I mean, I the, feel the, like the, he's John, the John Robinson
0: was, ramifications are just like my God, they just don't end. <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
1: honestly, out of all the guys in their second year, the guy that I feel the best about right now is Roger McCreary, who does look like he's taking a step forward. Um, But you're banking on all these guys making big leaps forward in year two, and you're banking on all these backups for other teams, Andre Diller, Daniel Brunskill, you know, Aziz Alshire even coming in and taking on major, major starting roles and being good at them, you know? And, and I just was concerned, like there was a lot of Jenga pieces like that had to fit in there and maybe that's not the right analogy, but there's a lot of pieces that had to work that we just had no way of projecting. Like it was all projection. It was just like, well, maybe in a different role, this guy's going to be better. And, and that worked out and. Daniel Brunskill's case so far it has not worked out in Andre, and you were never going to go a hundred percent but they have gone at a lower hit rate (laughs) like it's maybe one or two like and I haven't been super impressed by Aziz Alshire either which like I I was a huge fan of his in camp I thought he was making plays in camp I was like he's gonna make a Ton of plays behind this defensive line. He didn't really, done not anything. really
0: asking him to rush. You know what I'm saying? They're just asking. That's what's weird to me is that they're not asking him to rush like they asked David Long to rush. Uh, th- I guess this would have been, uh, I think it was his first uh, game where he even got a pressure. But yeah, he had a
1: stack in this game.
0: Yeah, but he hasn't been asked to uh, rush a lot. And which is, which seems to me like it's been, that's not what. He has, that's not what they asked David Long. You know, they asked him to do a lot more. I mean, we're Ooh. talking about, he had one pass rush snap uh, week one, two, four pass rush snaps week two, and three pass rush snaps in week three. And three, and those three turned into two uh, pressures. But they're not asking him to pass rush a lot. I just found that to be odd right now.
1: Yeah, they, they really don't want to blitz uh, much, it seems. And they're, they're not, yeah, it doesn't seem like they're doing it as much with him as they did with Long. And you also aren't seeing the plays. Like, even when David Long wasn't blitzing, I felt like he was pretty much a lock for like two to three plays per game where you're just like, man, David Long was shot out of a cannon right there. Like, you know, and it's, he's making a play in the backfield or blowing somebody up or, or making a pass deflection or something. I've barely noticed Aziz Asa Shire. Uh, in most of these games like every now and then he'll pop up but i you know he has not been super impressive so far through God three damn games a little one you son of a bitch <laughs> what's, what's he doing he
0: put up a picture just it's just a picture no comment or anything and it's just him as it, being a left tackle you know oh. in his titans uniform so you know that's just going to cause all of us fucking headaches <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, well he yeah he weighs 225 pounds right now. Uh, he's smaller than me, I'm pretty sure. So um, yeah, I don't think he's gonna be starting at left tackle for anybody anytime soon. Just, just he just why? knows how to stir just the pot. Fucking, he's just, just fucking, fucking with y'all.
0: Yeah. Um, Bluegrass Beverages is our sponsor. I forgot to mention him at the top of the show. Mike, the Joe, the get R- Joe Burrow full participant in practice today because of course he's coming to play the Tennessee Titans. Um, any words of encouragement for the the fans out there hoping that the Tennessee Titans overcome their Bengals curse, which is technically maybe an AFC North curse. Uh their th- Mike Vrabel is three and nine versus AFC North?
1: Yeah, I no, I'm not I'm not feeling great about it. <laughs> I, I feel like this is a bad matchup for the Titans. Uh they haven't been able to beat the Bengals even when uh you know they've been playing better. Um like I said, Dillard's gonna get absolutely brutalized by Trey Hendrickson in the pass rush, uh, over there. And I think it's, um, I don't know. I think the Bengals are still a pretty good team and, and it did feel like Joe Burrow started to get comfortable, uh, on that Monday night game against the, the Rams. And, and Hey, normally I would be like, well, you know, they are coming off a Monday night game. They're on short rest. You know, that's a little bit advantage Titans, but guess what? The Browns were coming off short rest too. The Browns were coming off the same situation yeah. and absolutely smoked the Titans. So, um, I'm not sure short rest makes any bit of difference in this game. And yeah, I, I don't trust Christian Fulton to hang with Jamar Anybody? chase. And T. I don't Higgins expect or... him to hang
0: with Tyler Boyd, uh, Charlie yeah. Jones, whoever else may be on their, uh, the, the back end of their depth chart. I just don't trust, uh, Christian Fulton. And apparently I don't know if you've, you've, uh, you've noticed. I didn't notice until someone pointed it out, but, Christian Fulton's dad is in everybody's mentions defending him uh, on Twitter, and it, it's a guy with a purple icon, and it's like K-A something. Uh, so, just so just so you know, if that guy pops into your mentions, because I called Christian Fulton soft, and he made an incoherent tweet at me. Uh, but, like, you know, if it's Andre Yoshivis versus Christian Fulton, Andre Yoshivis wins every time. <laughs> Trenton, if Trenton Irwin... Who I've never fucking heard of, Trenton Irwin. Well, oh, Trenton uh, Irwin
1: made a big catch against the Titans last year. So yeah,
0: if it's Trenton Irwin, Christian Fulton loses. If it's Charlie Jones, Christian Fulton loses. If it's Mitchell Wilcox to tight end, probably Christian Fulton's losing. Because at this point, Christian Fulton has instilled nobody with any faith that his fucking yoga uh works. And it's kind of funny because I was like, well, probably the person that's gonna prove me wrong in 2023. this season is christian fulton and so far he's proven me right (laughs) that's not good i don't want him to prove me right i want him to prove me wrong the tennessee titans do go up against probably the only like one of the only uh offensive lines that are just as bad as them
1: yeah that is the one spot where you're like okay
0: but, and Joe Burrow does have a bum ankle, but we know that this team does not like to wrap up for whatever reason when they get to the quarterback, whether it's fear of... Unless they're going to, like, do, do a throat chop, take an elbow right into the quarterback's fucking throat and try to decapitate him like Aziz and uh, Arden Key have done in two <laughs> games this year. But... Can... Can... Is this going to be the... um nine to six game, or is it really just going to be the Cleveland Browns all over again?
1: I don't know. I, I worry, I worry that it's going to be the Browns all over again. I mean, I, I guess. Yes. The Bengals offensive line is terrible. I do think Jeffrey Simmons is going to, I think the the uh, Bengals offensive line is way worse than the Browns. Like I, I will say that the Browns offensive line actually has some strengths to it. I, I don't think their tackles are great, but, uh, Then again, you don't have to be great to block Harold Landry these days. So um, I do think the Titans will get a good pass rush on Joe Burrow. I think they will make life difficult on Joe Burrow. And, And look, I mean, you saw like the Rams don't have a great pass rush outside of Aaron Donald. But they were able to get after Burrow a good bit in that game and made it difficult. So I, I think the Titans will manage to keep it low scoring. And, and they could win the game. Like, like they could win because the defensive line takes over. Maybe they cause a turnover um, and, and set up the offense well enough to make a, make a play. Maybe the, maybe the offense is able to run the ball. But I will say DJ Reader's caused major problems. Like, they have not been able to run the ball well against the Bengals. Um, at least last year's matchup, they, they weren't at all.
0: I mean, um, can I say something? Hmm. This, I don't know what's going on with this team and its run game. And I'm not saying that Tajay Spears needs more carries or more snaps or anything. And the only reason, you know, the the, the whole game script got out of whack. That's why Derrick Henry didn't get a lot. And I hate to have to say this because I hate being this guy. But the Titans have to establish to run. <laughs> I cannot believe Man. I'm fucking saying it. They have to. They do. They, they, they just – something has to happen for this team that Derrick Henry – and Derrick Henry did look good when they ran certain, you know, blocking schemes like zone and duo, whatever. I don't yeah, – that's not my back. But, you know, <laughs> you want to go – I can't remember which play was for the on Superhorn. Superhorn put one and, like, they, they called the play – And Derrick Henry gets a chunk of yards, and he sees the hole, he hits the hole and everything. Something's got to happen where you get Derrick Henry going, and it can't be sporadically. You're going to have to probably lean on Derrick Henry just this year. like You're just going to have to until you figure out what the offensive line is and how it could be fixed.
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point, they've got to be able to do something to – and get some consistency in the offense because there's zero consistency right now. They they have so many three and outs. They they give up so many sacks, so many negative plays. Um, and, and in that Browns game, they couldn't run the ball to save their lives. Um,
0: well, I mean, and, and part and of Miles it Garrett, is, man, he was just like he was like quicker than a fart getting into and, that line. I mean, like what? I've never seen anybody. I've never, to be honest, I've never seen. Miles Garrett looks so good. Like he looked tremendous. That is your defensive player of the year right now.
1: I, I like Micah Parsons, game.
0: and but I think that like if that I don't know how anybody stops him right now.
1: Yeah, that was it was an incredible game by him. I now I will say I think some of that had to do with Jim Schwartz and him knowing or him having some sort of tell with the the Titans offense, because there was plays and there, it happened multiple times where miles Garrett is lined up. He waits until after Tannehill has, you know, gotten into his cadence or whatever, to the point where like, you know, generally there's that time period where Tannehill gets the line. He looks around, he'll, he'll either, you know, can the play and move it, you know, to a different call or, you know, say we're good. And then get into his his snap count, right? So there were several plays where he waited until after that point, after they could change the play, and then he jumped down a gap, almost like he knew what play was coming, and and just shot inside. Like there was one where like um, it was, uh, it was a run to the right, uh, and it was a zone run, and he jumped inside of Trevon Wesco. Um, and there was just zero angle. Like, Wesco tried to get a hand on him. There was no way he was going to block Miles Garrett because he'd already jumped inside. He was already up in a two-point stance. He was, like, moving towards the ball before the snap even happened. So, like, all Wesco could do was, like, try to shove him, like, from behind. Um, but, I mean, he was immediately in the backfield, like like nothing. So, I almost feel like there was something that, was, that Schwartz knew – that he was able to tell his guys, look, when this happens, they're going here, you know, like, and I don't know if it was the calls themselves. Surely the Titans changed the calls, like with as much as they changed the offense and language and stuff like that. But there was something about the Titans and how they were aligning or something that was tipping off the Browns. There had to have been because there was too many times that shit happened on tape where it was like, God, it's like, they knew the play call. Like, you know, you're just watching how they move before the snap and, yeah, Garrett was doing that, Garrett's an awesome player, anyways. But it helps yeah, like, when he's yeah. got a head start too. <laughs> and,
0: and luckily, you don't have that, I guess, with the Bengals. But the Bengals just have a. It seems like it's like a this. They're like mirror images yeah. on the trenches side, but polar opposites on the offensive side. Like if that makes sense. Like because this because even with. I know that Joe Burrow and company has not looked good going deep, but guess what? They get to face Christian Fulton, so they're going to look ten times better this year because or this week because that's what happens, right? Like they're probably going to put Jamar Chase anywhere that Christian Fulton is at and go deep on them every time because that's what I would do. I would keep it simple. Like it, this team has made it the the this Tennessee Titans team has made their weaknesses so glaringly obvious that I would be forcing them to stop me. Like you're, this is going to have to be the game of Christian Fulton's life. If he wants to, if he wants to get a contract, right? Like this is a guy playing for millions upon millions of dollars in, in money next year. And he's playing like crap. And it's like, he doesn't even realize the football's going on around him. Like maybe he took this yoga Buddhist, mentality a little too far and he's um i can't remember his name on major league but remember the uh dennis Haysbert's character who you know worship buddha and it took a while for them to get his violent streak going and hitting the home runs and getting mad and angry maybe that's what's going on in the locker room is that christian fulton has this buddhist doll that he's praying to the you know the statue and he's just he's taking a vow of peace and uh He's just, you know, he's just a peaceful guy, so he's just going to let you ride on by. After you, sir. After you. Oh, please, thank you. Thank you for beating me. Like, that's just what it feels like right now. It's like, not a care in the world for Christian Fulton.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you just want to, like, shake them and be like, you realize what's at stake here. Your whole NFL career is basically at stake. Because, <laughs> like, this is a different point you're, like, going to get a one-year minimum deal where a team's like, well, you know, we kind of liked you in the draft four years ago, but you haven't been able to stay healthy, and you haven't been very good when you've been on the field. Uh, but, you know, maybe we'll bring you into camp. Or, like, he could get a real contract. Um, and, yeah, it, it just – it's not going well. And And, you know, part of me wonders, like, is he still dealing with the hamstring issue and trying to play through it to stay on the field and that's part of the reason he doesn't look very good right now but then again like I, it doesn't really matter at this point right like it doesn't matter why he's not playing well it's just that he's not playing well and the injury thing has been too frequent and too often and you know we have no reason to believe it won't happen again at some point this season so yeah it, it's just it's hard to have a lot of hope there uh, at
0: least for this Bengals game right maybe you get a little yeah. bit of hope back for the colts game um so i ask you mike score prediction bingles versus titans
1: mm, i'm gonna go 21 to 9 bengals i'm gonna go
0: 1917 titans right. well i'm betting on the titans again i think they're gonna break the curse for whatever reason i'm an idiot i, I hope you i appreciate mean, right. sure it break the curse <laughs> Oh, stupid. What a stupid asshole I uh, uh, am <laughs> for for choosing the Titans. Have I not learned my lesson? Obviously not. Oh,
1: titans really bringing a lot of joy this football yeah. season. Uh,
0: thank you for tuning in. Go to Bluegrass Beverages a Saturday. Free bourbon, free tequila from noon to four, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even a little earlier. But go to bluegrassbeverages.com or Google Bluegrass Beverages and look for their event tab. And you'll be able to find out what time the free bourbon, free tequila tasting is at Bluegrass Beverages, celebrating their 50th anniversary, Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee, 555 East Main Street. For Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon, NFL on X, paulkarski.com is where you can read his latest piece about trying to fix the Titans O-line, which is a fruitless endeavor, because we all know that Andre Diller will be starting for 17 games. And you can go to... X and follow me at efforts pod I'm Zach Lyons, and go to Stacking the Inbox where we have all kinds of okay articles. I mean, they're they're fantastically written articles about a shitty ass team, yes. <laughs> but they're your shitty ass team. So, go support all of our fantastically written content at Stacking the InboxPodkar斯基.com. For Mike, I'm Zach. This has been Football and Other F-words, and you have just been effed.